Welcome to Crypto Podcast Goods, the audio home for Club CPG. A few weeks ago, we had superstar Jamie Schmidt join for our members-only genius call. Jamie is the founder of Schmidt's Naturals and co-founder of Color Capital, MyBFF, and of course, Club CPG. Jamie shared her experience scaling a CPG brand from her kitchen table to a nine-figure exit and how she's used that knowledge to create exceptional businesses that make an impact in Web3. CPG Pop and Genesis holders got to listen in live and ask Jamie a few questions. As a reminder, the hosts of CPG, Pop, and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions are of the hosts and guests alone. Nothing discussed today should be treated as investment advice, and all content from our Genius Calls is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Now let's get to that Genius Call. I'm going to just do a little preamble here for everybody who may not know who you are, which I would find shocking, but here we are. Um, this Genius Call, uh, thanks to Janet, first of all, for doing so much hustling for Genius Calls behind the scenes. I really, uh, We all really appreciate the work she's doing there, and she was very much um, a main facilitator here for us to get together. And thank you for the time today. Um, I know you're super busy with BFF, and we're going to get all into that. But for those who don't know, we are talking with Jamie Schmidt today. Jamie is the founder of the CPG brand Schmidt's Naturals, which she scaled from her kitchen to a plus $100 million acquisition by Unilever. She's also the co-founder of Color Capital and Club CPG. Um, but most of the time today, she spends on building BFF, which we'll talk a lot about today as well, which is a brand that helps women and non-binary people get educated and connect in Web3. I had the tremendously good fortune of having been exposed to Club CPG through a number of folks in SF. And that tale kind of brings us here or brings me here to talk to Jamie. And I want to just preamble it with one small um, caveat. So a little story to get us going. And I don't know if I lost Jamie, but it seems like she's still there. But the 12 days of CPG is where I got my, uh, my, token. And I like, I've said this a whole bunch before, but I was so emotional and I was so thankful that I got it. And it really, like I dove in, I had gone through the list of folks that Jamie and Chris had assembled for CPG. And I was like overwhelmed and impressed with everybody that was there. Cause it was all these hardcore builders and people who had a lot of success in their career already, things that I aspire to do. And then immediately there was the a secret Santa that went out and I'm like, okay, I can kind of hide in this group. Maybe I'll get somebody who's not that great. And I can kind of like figure out how to do this web three secret Santa. And of course I landed Chris and I was like, Oh man, how am I going to figure out what to get Chris who seemingly is like rocking his punk and is just like gobbling up all sorts of fun alpha all over the place. And so in my deep dive of like, all right, how do I figure out how Chris and Jamie are? I pulled down Supermaker and I read it in like a day. And it just was this wonderful exposition of like the journey that you've had. And so for today, like 
I kind of wanted to revisit a little bit of Supermaker and give a plug for it because I think it's like a really handy, practical, insightful, and inspiring book. And also, I think because of the timing of it, there's this angle of like your philosophies and how you present yourself on Twitter are so strong and like you know exactly how you believe in the world and how you want to move through it. And maybe that always wasn't always the case, but it feels that way from us that are watching. And how has Web3 in that journey juxtaposed against Supermaker kind of brought it there? So I'm going to make it easy. I'm just going to go back through time and go like, where'd you start with your brand? And I think then periodically just ask some questions about like, is it the same or different for Web3? I've already spoken for four minutes and I'm uncomfortable doing that. So I want to turn it over to you and give anything that I've missed, but welcome. And thank you so much for putting up with my preamble. How are you? Hi, Mikey. Thanks for the nice intro. Um, I appreciate your compliment about how I seem like I know how to move through the world because I, I don't know that that's true. Um, <laughs> I've had some major accomplishments, yes, but I think, you know, I'm still learning every day and changing every day. And so it's good from the outside that, you know, I'm presenting um, with such confidence and, uh, and having an impact. So thank you. <laughs> 100%. So in um, Supermaker, you start with like, you know, where you started, which is your kitchen back in Portland. And I think for, again, I'm going to play this like nobody knows who you are um, and that okay. you're going to go through this from the beginning. And so tell us about how that started and where where you launched it. I'm going to try and stick to the 25 minutes and then open it up for folks. But I think we can cool. kind of amble through this. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dumb down some of my answers. Not dumb down, but shorten, I guess, against some of my more lengthier. Um, generally, I, I, I can ramble. Um, but yeah, started in Portland back in 2010. I had been on this quest for um, several years you know, to find fulfillment in my work. I think a lot of people here can probably relate to that. You know, you find yourself on this career path. You start second guessing yourself and thinking, is this the best use of my skills? Do I enjoy this? Do I want to keep going on this you know, trajectory? Um, and it got you know, so extreme for me that I decided that I wasn't going to settle. And so I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I knew I had to get my hands dirty to figure it out. Um, and so I tried, you know, several things. I had moved cross country um, from Michigan to Portland and Portland was, you know, the most creative city in the country. And I thought if I'm going to find myself, this is where it's going to happen. Um, so everybody there was like a maker, an artist, a musician. Um, and I, you know, for one felt like kind of a big nerd. And I was like, what can I do that's cool? Like, how do I fit into this scene? Um, but also like, what can I do that's fulfilling? And what can I do that I'm actually good at? And so I tried lots of stuff. Um, settled on making personal care products. And it worked out beautifully because I was pregnant at the time. I was paying closer attention, you know, to the products I was using on my skin. Um, so everything was sort of just aligned. Um, so I started making things. They were working. I had this deodorant that was like working amazingly well. You know, I had been using different natural deodorants. A lot of them fell short for me. Um, and so I thought, you know what, if this works for me, it's going to work for other people. And so I went out to the farmer's markets, you know, still sort of um, naive to what was in front of me with the business. Um, and set up shop every weekend, you know, different markets. Some were incredibly slow, some were busier, um, but it was the perfect chance to, to meet customers, to learn how to be a business person um, and truly recognize, you know, the opportunity and what I was doing. Um, so I decided to go all in, named it after myself because I didn't know what else to call it. Um, it was supposed to be a temporary name, but it ended up sticking with me for the long term. Um, and then from there, you know, just started taking the business very seriously, recognizing, you know, what I could do in terms of wholesale and distribution, um, so fast forward seven years later, and as you mentioned, Mikey, I, I sold the business to Unilever um, in an acquisition. Um, never 
could have imagined it from day one, you know, standing out there at the market. And so, you know, so much happened in those years. And um, I ended up building out our manufacturing facility, you know, zero experience doing that, but figured out what that meant, you know, scaling from my stovetop to a full, full-fledged, you know, manufacturing facility with uh, about 150 employees working over two shifts. And um, and so, you know, my, today, like, I just, I, I want my story to be that inspiration for people who think like, I can never figure this out. Like, I, I'm not that person, but like, but you are like, everybody has that potential. And I'm the perfect example of that. Because um, if you'd asked me in my, you know, younger years, what you want to be when you grow up, I wouldn't have said, you know, running a deodorant factory, because um, there's no way in hell I could figure that out. But I did. Um, and here we are. And, and, and life has changed a lot. And um, this is, it's great to be here with kind of Club CBG sharing the story and, and hopefully um, inspiring some people. Oh, hundred percent. I I want to rewind a little bit to the Portland and the maker space. I think there's like some interesting historical things that I think you and Chris kind of hit in terms of nascency of the parallels in Web two and how your brand started to evolve there. Mm-hmm. I would love to understand how you feel that Portland vibe of meeting all these amazing artists creators and makers how does that parallel to how you're experiencing web3 right now because what comes Mm -hmm. to mind is like this global environment we have for web3 but there are these amazing makers and some of them are carryovers and and artists as well like what are you seeing in web3 that reminds you of that origin story in portland yeah i love that i would say there's no right way to do things or there's no one way to do things and it's so personal um, these NFT projects are just a beautiful example of that, right? A lot of us start as artists in this space, zero business experience, not knowing, you know, what we're, what, what the hell we're doing, but just like following our intuition and what resonates with us on a personal level and just trusting that, that is so, so key. And that's what got me ahead in web two, building my brand was that, you know, I didn't obsess over what others were doing. I didn't know enough about what other people were doing. And that naivety was actually a blessing for me. Um, and so I, I see that um, definitely resonating with a lot of the Web3 companies today, too. And, you know, there's we're all running businesses in Web3. And, of course, once you get to a certain point, like, you know, you have to really you know kick it into gear and professionalize things and standardize things. But in those earliest days of scheming, you know, your, your concept, I think it's so important just to let your mind go wild and just to explore that side of yourself. And, um, yeah, no, no playbooks. And that's what I like about Web3 right now is like there's literally like no playbooks that exist. You know, Web 2, it's like, oh, you can go to the bookstore and there's like the shelves are full of like how to build your business, how to build a brand, how to market. And now like with Web 3, it's like we're just starting to build those playbooks. So we are the ones writing them, which is awesome. And for BFF, it's been just awe-inspiring to watch the partnerships coming out of it. I mean, the team that you've assembled there, I see a bunch of folks here that are there. Um, The quality of that team, it's just really inspiring to watch it. In your journey, we've had, so we have, you really like did a very fast forward from the inception of Schmitz to your exit and then post, um, you have a couple of points in Supermaker about make it yours is like one big part of it, which I think is what we're sort of covering now, and then make it exceptional in, in this scale up. And right now you're in the throes of that scale up for BFF. What are some of the parallels that in that phase of Schmitz as you were making things grow and what you're seeing now in BFF, are, are there parallels or, and what's kind of different? 
Yeah, there's there's certainly a, you know a turning point for any business, whether it's Web two, Web three, where you start to you know look at the business and from a different lens, right? You you've got your customers, you have your community, you have this you know mission that you've set out to accomplish. But like as you get bigger and as more people are invested, you know whether it's a customer or somebody in your community, there's more at stake, right? And so the things, as I mentioned earlier, like have to become a little more professionalized, right? Or, or standardized and um, like keeping the beauty of, um, you know, I guess building without looking too far ahead. Like that's always been key to me. It's like, I never, I never looked too far ahead. And I think that's what got me ahead. Um, so there's, it's balancing that with also like having systems and having goals and things that you're working towards. And so there, there's definitely that crossover, whether, you know, building a web two or a web three business. Um, I also think about leadership and, and just team management, right? Like that's going to apply no matter what type of business you're building and what, what, what web, um, you know, you want to, you have to be a leader who, you know, inspires the team and to, to deliver and, and makes it clear, you know, what those deliverables are. And so, but there's different rules, right? Like hours are less structured, you know, you're not showing up to, to make deodorant in the factory from nine to five, you know, it's more like, Hey, let's, these are the ghouls and like, what, you know, work with your schedule to, to get us there. And, um, I think one, you know, one thing that gets overlooked in the beginning for some, for some web three brands, I think is just the significance and the importance of budget. Um, I think a lot of us don't know how to manage budgets and, you know, I was, I was guilty of that in my first business. Um, it took some getting used to and some, you know, scary moments and scrambling to, to, you know, get things in order. But that is so, so key for any, any business now, you know, these web three companies, especially like right now during the bear market, like, what does it mean to, to have a budget? What does it mean to, you know, uh, assess, you know, your, your spend and understand what things are delivering and what things you might need to eliminate. And so that that's really hard, but also incredibly important. And I think that's going to be one of the differentiators for the brands that do survive this time. It's fascinating to see this front loaded infusion of capital and the brands that really have or in the teams that know how to do this, how much they're racing ahead of teams that are figuring it out. Not that there's a right way, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think with my BFF, going back to Supermaker, you make two points about making an impact and making it last. And I'm, I just want to say, like for my BFF, for me, the value set that was put forward was magnetic and and has a very big vision and is one that is just doing a lot of good in the world. And so the you, you deserve more than a thank you. You deserve like that team, everyone is, you know, when you won at NFT NYC, it was like, I was talking to Christine. I was like, this is a no brainer for you guys to win. Um, and I'm, you know, that best onboarding, it's doing a lot of great work, not just for Web3, but for all, like the whole community is benefiting from it. When you went into starting my BFF and assembling this vision, what was top of mind for setting that foundation for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went in, you know, I had a lot of confidence because I had a business partner who like had also built some successful brands in her past and just in our conversations, I just knew we were on the same page. We wanted the same thing. Um, we didn't, you know, it wasn't entirely clear on how we were going to get there, but we knew what we wanted and that we, we could get there. Um, you know, we started with our, our event in January on YouTube. We had 5,000 people show up to learn about the basics of Web3 and NFTs. Everybody that came got their first, um, they got an airdropped 
BFF friendship bracelet that, you know, lives in all their wallets today. And for many, that was their very first NFT, their first exposure to Web3. Um, and so that was just an awesome experience to help people, you know, just understand what it all was and what the opportunity was. And, um, you know, as that landscape changes and, you know, our, as we evolve as a brand, you know, we, yes, we won this award recently for best onboarding experience for new users. And, you know, we, 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 you know, we weren't surprised. We were honored and we were like just ecstatic. We were like, hell yeah, we deserve that. And, um, but now it's, um, you know, what's next? Like we, we won't be the onboarding brand forever. You know, that'll be a big part of who we are, but then we have to think, um, bigger picture like who is wh what is bff really after like what more can we deliver okay we've onboarded this huge group of people who are really eager to explore new opportunities in web3 but but now like what does that mean for us as a brand and so we're doing a lot of strategizing and um and you know soul searching and sort of um putting things into place to, to so that we can best articulate you know phase two of bff it's it's wonderful. And yes, like now you've evolved. I feel like there's this moment that you're coming at and you sort of just alluded to it. Like there's a lot of strategizing going on and you've mm -hmm. sort of talked about it on Twitter. And I hope to kind of gain some insights from you. There was this point at Schmitz where you had a number of SKUs and a number of products and you and Chris were debating like, no, we're going to skinny it down to one. Um, and it was a big decision and it was one that was not easy nor like apparent, I think at the time. And in hindsight, like was great. Where do you see web three in terms of BFF and in general, like needing to focus that one skew going forward and maybe not just for BFF, but like in web three, what's your opinion on how we have like this very broad umbrella of web three. And now we've had this kind of reckoning of some things getting shaken, like where do you think it needs to settle out and like reducing the number of SKUs? Yeah, I like that that parallel. I hadn't thought about that, but it's it's so true. You can't be everything to everybody. And I think as a new brand, sometimes you you try to be because you want to, you know, you want to put your eggs in, in all the baskets and see what sticks. And I think that's important. But once you get to a certain point, you know, you figure out your your strength and your who your niche, you know, customer or community member is and and then you just, you really have to own that and you have to figure out and be able to explain how it is different and how it, how it's unique and how it's going to, you're going to continue to expand on that. Um, that's critical for so many brands right now, you know, Club CPG is a great example too, right? Like we're not going to try to be everything to everybody and we never, you know, claim to be, but now more than ever, it's like, how do we articulate that, that specialty? How are we different? Um, and I think it's hard for founders to, to figure it out. And especially as there's more and more brands and more and more communities popping up all over the place, it's hard to figure out that like special sauce that you have. And, um, you know, for us we're, at BFF, we're, we're real confident in what that is, but it's going to be important for us to be able to grow on the, how we articulate that. Right. And so um, we actually have some fun announcements coming in the next month or so and, you know, what that looks like for us. Fantastic. I'm going to take this moment. We're about 10 minutes from when we had decided we we're going to pull over a bunch of questions. So if folks have both ones they want to ask live and also ones they want to throw in the chat, if they happen to be um, in a place where they can't speak, please start getting those queued up in the, into the chat right now. And we're going to answer as many as we can in those 30 minutes. Um, I am super excited because we get like some really great questions that come in. And I think that this is going to be just really insightful. And I really appreciate that we're kind of freewheeling a bit on this. For yeah. let, I, I want to turn the attention slightly more now to 
Club CPG and, and how Genesis kind of started and how the gates have opened there. When you started CPG, and I'm just going to go from my own recollection, like you had the you had the site and you had given out these Genesis mentor passes, and then those mentors were then given an extra pass, and those were redeemed, and you built this kind of close-knit society of folks that there's like some people that are in that group that when you talk to them, they're like, I'm never getting rid of this NFT. I don't care what it's worth. What was, and, and that's what it's morphed into. Talk a little bit about your intentions of starting it. And maybe there's some color capital background in here as well. Like what were you aiming for with that mentor pass and that collection from your perspective, like I think we know what Chris wanted. I want to hear it yeah. more from you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Club CPG dates back before the crypto package goods NFT collection launched. Um, and I will give a little more history on kind of like how Color started and where Club CPG originated. Um, so after we sold Schmidt's Naturals in 2017, you know, Chris and I, um, just for clarity, Chris um, was there alongside me, you know, helping me build Schmidt's, and so. Together, you know, we had gained this incredible wealth of knowledge on what it takes to scale a, a business. Um, and so we thought, okay, we have these resources, you know, financially, of course, but then also we have this expertise and this experience that is, is pretty unique in the industry. There aren't a lot of uh, CPG brands who go through an acquisition and then, you know, kind of hang around to, to help others um, do the same. A lot of people take off or retire, go missing, whatever it might be. Um, we wanted to do more. Um, so we started We started our fund, Color Capital, and the intention there was to invest in other um, CPG brands. And, and we got excited and made some early investments there. Um, the fund has evolved a bit to include some Web3, of course. Um, so that's been that's been interesting and, and really fun to operate together. It's just the two of us. We have no LPs. So, you know, we can make our funding decisions just together, you know, and what, what resonates and where we think the best opportunities are and who we can best support. Um, and then uh, Club CPG, so that that really started on Clubhouse. It was around the earliest days of COVID. You know, everybody was gathering um, to, to hang out on Clubhouse. And we were hosting conversations around brand building, marketing, acquisitions, whatever it might be. And it started to grow this this community that was um, you know really excited to engage in these talks. And they became more regular. And then we decided to brand it Club CPG. Um, and so we did that for a bit, you know, several months and during the, the height of Clubhouse and then, you know, things there shifted, of course. Um, so we started to explore opportunity on Discord and then taking things a little bit more to Twitter. Um, and that community followed us, right? So we had this just really devoted group of, um, you know, whether they were thought leaders or people who were actively building in the earliest stages, just this group of people who are really excited about CPG. Um, and then we saw the opportunity for the, the NFT collection, right? So this was uh, mid 2021, where everybody was starting to, you know, think about NFTs and how they could how they could launch their own collections. And for us, it was really obvious. We wanted to bring together um, people at that intersection of consumer and Web3 because it didn't exist. And there was so much opportunity at that intersection, right, in terms of acquiring new customers, um, new ways of marketing your your business, and just just so much potential. But no one really knew you know, the extent of that potential. And so we thought, let's get everybody together and, and, and figure it out as a group, as a community. Um, so you explained to the mechanics of it, how we had given some passes to mentors and then the mentors gave to their mentees. And then we all came together on Telegram. Um, it, there was, yes, yeah, so much enthusiasm, so much hype and just so much like naivety and vulnerability in the group in those earliest days where we were just like talking about things we were excited about and um, and sharing resources. And then it became a little, you know, some of the conversations became more technical and we built out new channels to, um, for different interests. And, um, it's a very active community still today. 
you know, and then we saw the opportunity to expand that through Pop. And that's, you know, when Pop launched, we thought, all right, this is what what we've built with Club, with the Genesis collection is incredible. Like, how do we bring that value to more people? Um, so that's when, when Pop came into the picture. And, um, you know, Chris, of course, has been leading that. Everybody knows Chris is Chris at the forefront of the brand, you know, and together we we schemed a lot of ideas still every day. We go on walks together and talk, you know, about what it means and what, you know, what we can do now and into the future. And so um, it's just it's just awesome and just wild to look back on sort of the journey of, you know, what got us here. I think the piece for me, and it, it's it's beautiful how you've laid it out from that progression. The thing that keeps coming back into my mind and the thing that I keep experiencing firsthand is that your intentions are and have been to pay it forward through the community. And I think when when you come into Genesis and you ask anybody for help, like I did, like I flat out of the gate, I was like, hey, I need some help with, you know, figuring out some some logistics on my side. And people answered. And I think like it doesn't take a lot to help other people. And you have continually set that as the culture. And I think what I would love to have people hear from me and from, you know, you're saying it, I'm just trying to underscore it, is that that's really like the foundation of pop is that we're all building here. We, If you got into pop and you're just going to sit on it, cool. But if you actually take the time to come in with that same spirit that Club CPG was founded on, you can get way more out of it than you think you can just by asking questions, being vulnerable, like you just stated, and also helping somebody else out. It goes so far to just pick up somebody's question and be like, yeah, I can help you here. And that bond, which you can, which spans through the internet has really been like your track record of like from color capital all the way through. Yeah. What, what is What's your thoughts on how Web3 has a lot of pseudonymity and then we have this very authentic community and being having a pseudonym does not mean that you're not authentic. But what do you think is the conditions that set Web3 to be what it is in this time where like scams are rampant, but now we've got like this reckoning how do you set that environment on a daily basis for BFF and for CPG for that authenticity? Because you come across and you are, I've met you in person. I've talked to you on the phone a whole bunch. Like you are the same person. Like this is not an act. And I think that's a really important part of our Web3 experience is when you meet somebody, you're you're getting who you're actually talking with. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, what's most important is that people show up um, how they want to show up. And that looks it's so different for everybody, whether you are anonymous or you're fully exposed, like that's on, that's up to you. And I like, I'm here to support all of it. And people have reasons for how they show up. Right. And maybe at certain points in their lives, um, maybe things change for them over time and whatever it might be. But I think, you know, back to the authenticity piece, it's, I think that bringing that to your communities is what's going to help you grow as a person, right? Like just, whether it is, you know, you're fully doxxed or you are showing up more reserved, um, you know, just showing up in an authentic way is going to help you grow and um, and just leaning on each other and trusting one another. And um, I think, you know, hopping between communities and see which one resonates. I'm, I'm totally, 
um, proponent for exploring other communities. Um, like, yes, I think my, my, my communities are great, but I also think there's, you know, maybe there's a better fit for somebody somewhere else. And I think we, we should all feel free to explore and support people on that search and on that journey. And just, um, it's just a, like a, such a unique time that we're, we're living through right now. And I, um, I just, I, I, I think it's so, so, so great for like personal development and, you know, along with professional development too. And so, um, it's, Kudos for everybody, you know, just for showing up and being part of, of, of CPG and of POP or BFF, you know, whatever it is, like just kudos for, for trying it out. Be yourself and be authentic. Yeah. That's under, awesome. So we have about two minutes till the bottom half of the hour. Um, I ambled around and, and covered a lot of different ground. I want to give you two minutes to do whatever it is that you want that maybe we didn't cover or something that you had in mind before we got here. And while you're doing that, I'll have queued up. If folks are able to, who are listening, if you can raise your hand now, we'll get that queued up. There's a couple of them in the chat uh, as well. And then we have them lined up. So for the next two minutes, like final words, what are some things that you really are feeling yeah. strongly about and want to just share with the community? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I think, you know, I, I think back to like my, I guess the Schmidt story and like, there's so much that we had to, you know, skip over and thanks for shouting out my book. Um, but I think, you know, if there's some sort of key lessons there or takeaways that I think are relevant to, you know, probably most of you who've shown up today, it's like, I, you know, I mentioned like, definitely don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, right? Like you have to, you have to know what you're good at and what you like and being honest with yourself is like, is the, is the secret, right? Like we all convince ourselves that we're enjoying something or that like, this is the path we're supposed to be on. And so I think just being, being real with yourself and refusing to settle is, is just so key, no matter what you're building or what you're going after. Um, I, you know, listening as if you're, if you're a leader, you know, of a brand or a community, like listening to your customer, listening to your community, you know, like sounds kind of cliche, but it's so key. You know, I can, I started my, my first business, you know, no one knew who the hell I was. And so I leaned on my community to help, you know, just to, I, I, I was so thankful that they trusted me, right? Like with their product. And so I, that, that relationship is just so key as, as you're growing, you know, no matter how big you get, right. And maybe today more people do know who I am, but like that does not take away from, um, you know, how seriously I'm going to take their feedback and their input and, um, that's on the same token though, like you, you also get to a point where you have to be selective in the feedback that you take, right. Or you drive yourself crazy. And so one thing I always tell people is, you know, look for patterns in the feedback that you're getting, right. If there's something that you're hearing consistently, like maybe there's something there that you should explore more. If it's a one-off, you know, you listen and you think about it, that resonates with you, but some things you just have to say no to, right. Because you can't do all of it. And so know what you stand for, what your values are on a personal level, on a you know professional level and as a brand and just and, and stick with that. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I'm going to go over and, and, re, and just react to that a little bit. The growth of like through the pandemic and having this really massive global kind of crisis hit everyone, I think has shaken a lot of people to that had gotten into this grind to really take a step back and look at it. And I think you hmm. touched on this whole confidence in yourself to really look at like, I just actually don't enjoy this and I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and I am going to, I do enjoy X and I'm going to do that mm -hmm. is I feel like something that has been cracked open and exposed for a lot of folks the past couple of years. Uh, and I, that just resonates with me so strongly. Yeah. 
because I've had to like I'm a pleaser and I'll just like bop along and do things for people and instead of being like actually I don't like doing this so I'm not gonna yeah so that's well, just you don't even know like like you please your you're a pleaser to yourself sometimes too right and you're just like I'm doing this because I'm supposed to or like I was raised under this environment and this is like the expectations of you know, maybe my parents had of me or whatever and are these are the things my friends are interested in and this is the path they're on and so like it's so important just to step back and like check in and be like is this really what you want and i think it's one of the hardest things um but yeah you're right like this is a good time to do it like the bear market like things are a little slower we have more time on our hands and maybe we're cutting back on certain spends that means we're you know in the house more whatever it is and um so it's a good time to to have the, the you know those, those self-talks i guess and sort of um insightful uh, moments with yourself sweet well we're gonna turn to the chat now um i can't guarantee that any of these are softballs so i won't um but yeah so this one is from michelle laura and her question is would you have done anything differently with schmitz if you were building today given what web3 makes available or is available Mm. i would have been I would have been more public. Like, I was so behind the scenes. I never played. And that's where we have to end it for today. If you want to check out the full Q&A and learn more about joining Club CPG, visit CryptoPackageGoods.com. Thanks to all our CPG and POP members for making these kinds of events possible. Crypto Podcast Goods is produced by Genius Media, a division of Crypto Package Goods.